Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Cowboys and cowgirls, uh, what's in store? Well, not just a sports report. I think we know that. Uh, if you don't, not just a sports report. Now you know. Uh, what are we doing today? It is the second club in the team by team NRL 2024 season preview. Uh, so we're going to be looking ahead as to what's to come next year. I will be giving a ladder prediction as well at the end of the podcast. Uh, of course, prefacing today's pod by saying this is just a bit of fun to kind of have a look and build some excitement at the season to come so my ladder predictions things like that it's just for a bit of fun it's nothing too serious so don't get upset if I say your team is going to come last because it's purely opinion I'm not you know the be all end all but uh, luckily if you haven't heard your team's pod yet I'm not going to predict you to come last uh, because I've saved that honor for the Tigers. Uh, So that was last time. This is the second pod in a 17-team series. Uh, And we started off with the Tigers. A lot to be positive about, uh, but also a lot to be concerned about. So we have our first member of my predicted ladder, that being the Tigers in 17th. And we move from one organization that is very poorly run to another uh, that is very poorly run Uh, I did kind of focus on that aspect in the Tigers podcast. Where is it all going wrong? Seemingly at the top, the decision makers. That seems to be very much the same case for the Dragons. Uh, I just CBF talking about board members and decision makers and bigwigs and CEOs. You know, it just, it makes me bored. So I'm like, if I'm bored, I would imagine the listener is going to get bored. Uh, But it is worth mentioning for the Dragons, very much like the Tigers, it seems like the problem, not so much with the players or coaches, more so with the organisation. I mean, you look at their star halfback and captain, desperate to get out of there. What does that tell you? So, yeah, that feels like it has to be mentioned, that why have the Dragons been pretty poor for quite a while now? Uh, It seems to be those making the decisions. So I'll put that out there, but I'm going to try and stick uh, to the players, to the on-field, the coaching, and all that kind of stuff uh, for the actual season, because it is the NRL season preview, not the board of directors preview. So yeah, we preface today's podcast, why do I think the Dragons have been struggling? Decision makers. And in fact, we're just going to get amongst it right now. Uh, We're going to just jump in. That was your intro. Now we're going in. We're going deep. Uh, So today, talking all things Dragons, going to go through the coaching staff, the playing roster, their gains and losses, a few talking points. I think Ben Hunt, probably the biggest one, uh, and some youngsters within this team to keep an eye on. Uh, Now, for each podcast, I will be doing a one to watch. That is one young player from each club to keep an eye on. But the Dragons... Well, I'll tell you this for free. They've actually got ones to watch. Uh, So yeah, 
Stay tuned for that. I'll be revealing my Dragons ones to watch. We've got two players uh, that I think you should keep an eye on this coming season. Uh, but with that said, we're going to get straight amongst it. And before we look forward, uh, let's just look at this most recent season. 2023, uh, shocking management. Dragons finish uh, just, just short of getting the wooden spoon. So an awful season. Uh, and from doing weekly podcasts over the course of the year, from round one, which Dragons had the buy for, I, I kept speaking very early in the season, Dragons as an organization had very clearly given up before the season was even, you know, started. I could tell. Sitting on my couch, eating Doritos, just being lazy as fuck, I could tell that Anthony Griffin was on borrowed time. I think everyone could. So before the season had even started, before we actually knew what this dragon side was going to look like under Anthony Griffin this year, he was gone skis. It was pretty clear. They're telling him he's going to have to reapply for his job. Ben Hunt, he makes it very clear uh, that he's unsettled, would love Hook to stay on. And sure enough, you know, midway through the season, maybe not even that, Anthony Griffin was gone. Now, we also saw Ben Hunt, his 300th celebration. No members of the board, uh, none of the decision makers rocked up for his celebrations. Pretty pitiful when you consider, I mean, there are a number of Broncos staff and players that made the trip to honor Ben Hunt. So, yeah, the season last year was not good. Well, this past year, sorry, was not good at all. Uh, but from doing the podcast week in, week out, a re uh, preview, sorry, and a review, with the Dragons, it was very clear. From the actual top of the organization, they had written the season off before it even started. Like, how do you expect Anthony Griffin to actually, you know, get this side to finals when before it has even started, it's like, hey, you're going to have to reapply for your job. We're looking around, blah, blah, blah. Now, my other thing that I picked up over the entire year from talking about the Dragons and why I believed they were struggling to win, just seems like everyone is going in different directions. The board, they couldn't unite. They, amongst themselves, or amongst themselves, squabbling. So the board, the people making the decisions up the top, they weren't seeing eye to eye. A lot of people had different ideas of which way they wanted to go. Then you look at the coach from last year, Anthony Griffin, uh, very seemingly going in a different direction to what the board were thinking. Then you look at the players, you know, Ben Hunt. As time goes on, he wants to leave. And it just felt like, how are the players supposed to kind of come together toward one common goal when the club itself doesn't have one common goal? There's about six or seven different goals, depending on who you're talking to. Now, Anthony Griffin, he was gone well before the end of the season. That was so obviously going to happen. And yeah, that was my kind of stance on the Dragons this past season. It felt like not the players, but the organization just gave up. They wrote the season off before it had even begun. Uh, so Hook was gone. You got clowns running the circus. That's where the Dragons are at right now. Enter... Shane Flanagan, the game changer, in my opinion, 
This is a coach who not only has runs on the board, but this is a guy who's going to be uncompromising. If the board can't decide what they want, Shane Flanagan, I think, is going to be very clear, very steadfast on what he wants and what he expects uh, from the players. So Shane Flanagan, he gets brought into the club. Now, obviously, he does have a bit of a checkered past, a couple of suspensions, a couple of not-so-great moments uh, on his resume. And I also, I don't know, as a Warriors fan, this whole Adam Fanua Blake thing, I don't know, this is purely tinfoil hat. But given Shane, Shane Flanagan's past and the convenient, conveniently timed release request from Adam Fanua Blake right before preseason begins, also side note, uh, looks like it's for family reasons. He wants to go back to Sydney, so obviously as a Warriors fan, first and foremost, I hope everything with Adam is okay. But yeah, back, Tim Foyle hat back on because... Yeah, when Adam Fanua Blake requested his release and then it comes out very shortly after Dragons are interested in him, I just thought, you know, is it past Shane Flanagan to, you know, get in contact with a player and say, hey, we can pay you a fucking, you know, as much, if not more, than you're getting at the Warriors. Why don't, you know, why don't you just get a compassionate release and come over to us? Now, again, that is purely conspiratorial chat. But, yeah, when I look at Shane Flanagan's past, I just think, okay, that fucking doesn't seem too out of line. But I went a bit off track there, Warriors fan, of course. We're talking about the Dragons. And as far as a coach, as far as bringing someone in to actually get this team back up to the standard that the fans believe they should be at, Shane Flanagan is an excellent signing. Uh, obviously, Cronulla Sharks, he's best known for his time there, taking a team that wasn't just at the foot of the ladder, but had never won a premiership. 2016, they do just that. Uh, and seeing what Shane Flanagan did with the Sharks, not just the team, but the actual playing roster and what he built there over time, it's pretty clear he is the right man for the Dragons. A uh, phenomenal coach. I think the main thing with Shane Flanagan he needs some time to cook. Respectfully, he has not inherited the strongest roster, especially, again respectfully, when it comes to the Ford Pack. So for Shane Flanagan, it's not going to be immediate results, but everything he's done so far, uh, he's been very aggressive in his approach to really take the Dragons to that next level. There's been some massive recruitment targets. Flanagan has not been shy about speaking of his desire to lure a Joey Manu to the club, uh, potentially Tom Dearden, Adam Fanua Blake. And yeah, it's exactly what he should be doing, right? When you look at the Dragons, other than Ben Hunt, who fucking wants to leave, there's really no world-class player uh, that can take the Dragons from a competitive team to a really strong finals contender. So they are doing everything right, uh, in those terms, going after the right players, really trying to get a needle-moving signing. But, in my opinion, I don't know, I feel like the Dearden signing is unrealistic. Unless they can blow the Cowboys out of the money, uh, out of the water, sorry, out of the money, out of the water money-wise, I would assume Dearden will want, want to stay put. 
in Townsville. I mean, Cowboys have something pretty good going, despite not making the finals this past year. And I mean, you're a young Queensland half coming through. One of the guys you look up to, uh, look up to, aspire to be one of your origin teammates, Ben Hunt. Like he doesn't want to be there. So if you're a young half and you see Ben Hunt so desperate to get out of there, no matter how much they're paying you, you have to think twice. Is this good for my career? Uh, so I'll be very surprised if Dragons get Tom Dearden. Same goes for Joey Manu, although who knows. The carrot of playing fullback, that could bring him over. And Joey Manu would be a massive addition. Same for Adam Fanua Blake. Uh, what's interesting with Adam though, is that because he's contracted, Warriors are looking for a player swap. Uh, now Tiger's in the mix. Bulldogs, kind of semi in the mix. Apparently Kikau was one of the players floated uh, for a potential swap. Bulldogs, not interested at all uh, in letting Kikau go. Then you have a team like the Sharks, who they may have someone to trade. Uh, you look across to the Tigers, Isaiah Papali'i. Yep, I'll take him back at the Warriors. Uh, Stefano Utoikamanu. Then you look at the Dragons, and this is just being honest again, circling back as a Warriors fan. When it came that we were looking for a player trade, and Dragons obviously front and center for AFB's services, I looked at the Dragons roster, I'm like, who, who in this Dragon side, you know, would I like in return? You're never going to get another Adam Fanua Blake, so you can't expect to just get this insane world-class player. But when I look at the Dragons, and Jaden Sewer, uh, seemingly he's the one that would be player-swapped if Dragons can get a deal done, uh, but there's no one in the Dragons team that I would want as a Warriors fan. And today we're sticking on the Dragons, it's not about me, it's not about being a Warriors fan, uh, but I think that is a reflection of what the Dragons have at their disposal right now, the playing roster that they've built. I look at their Ford pack, it's like, Blake Laurie, I'm a massive fan of. But adding Fanua Blake for Blake Laurie, like that, that just doesn't pickle my pickle, I guess is the way uh, I could say it. Although, you know, Jackson Ford, who came over from the Dragons, you wouldn't have, wouldn't have been able to tell me that he was going to be an absolute gun for us, so who knows? But again, like, Blake Laurie wouldn't have really done it for me. Uh, Jack DeBellin would have been great five years ago. Not that he's not an awesome player, but given where Adam's at now and where Jack DeBellin's at now, again, that's not a trade that fills me with any excitement. So, the Dragons, if they want to go for a big fish, if they want to try and get Adam Fanua Blake over, it looks like Jaden Sewer would be the one who goes, but yeah, just look at this pack and there's no one. There's like no one that I'm like, yep. Yeah, you in a Warriors jersey, fuck yeah. I would rather we just, as Warriors, uh, as a club, play some of our young guns that are coming through. So for Dragons, that's going to be a bit of an obstacle in terms of getting the deal done. Uh, but the fact that they are out there and aggressively chasing these players, that's exactly what they should be doing. Like I said, I look at the Ford pack, there's no one, as a Warriors fan, I would want. I mean, there's some young players. You've got the Couchman twins, you've got like, Tyra Sloan, a bit of a gun, but this is Adam Fanua Blake. This is a different kettle of fish 
in terms of what I'd want in return. So Dragons, I look at their Ford pack, I mentioned it quite a few times last year. There's no one in the pack that intimidates the opposition or strikes fair. Uh, like I don't imagine teams would rock up to win stadium, look across at the pack that they're up against and go like, ah oh, shit, you know, I'm going to be having, having to tackle this guy all day. There really isn't any of that for the Dragons, so it makes it hard to go forward. And they have very steady forwards, but no X-factor. No oomph whatsoever. Respectfully, Adam Fanua Blake. I mean, he is exactly everything that they need. Uh, I hope they don't get him, just to be salty. I kind of hope that Adam goes to the Sharks, but we'll see. What is important is that Dragons, they're making moves. They're being very serious uh, about not just bringing players in for the sake of it, bringing in players who are going to help this Dragons team back to Premiership contention. So Shane Flanagan, he is the coach making some big moves already. And I'm actually really excited uh, to see the improvements in this side. Because as far as coaching, if you put everything else in his past aside, Coaching-wise, Shane Flanagan is as good as you're going to get on the open market. In fact, just before Warriors signed Andrew Webster, when we were in the co uh, coaching market, Shane Flanagan, I was like, if we get Shane Flanagan, I will be stoked with that. Uh, so he's an unreal coach. He is going to need some time to fix up this roster. But again, that is one of his strengths. So we can't expect an overnight success. I'm definitely not expecting Dragons uh, to be one of the major sides in Premiership contention next year. But going forward, I mean, this is back to square one with a new coach. But if you peg it forward maybe to square four or five, by that time, Dragons could be the real deal. Uh, so it will take time. But for Flano, uh, I have full faith in his ability. And he's got Dean Young. As his assistant, a Dragons Premiership winner, Ryan Carr, who actually took on the head coaching role at the back end of last year, and Ben Wolfe, who I believe is Christian Wolfe's brother. Don't fact check me on that. Uh, but Ben Wolfe, from what I can remember, he might have been in the Broncos system at one point coaching. For quite a while, he was coaching the Tweedhead Seagulls in Queensland Cup. Uh, so Ben Wolfe, he's put in the yards to get himself a gig uh, and as far as coaching staff I mean Dean Young seems to be one that's pretty highly rated he also understands the DNA of the Dragons uh, Ryan Carr very much the same he would be very familiar with the players after actually taking on that head coaching role and Ben Wolf there to add his two cents as well so you can't really fault the coaching staff uh, they got a pretty good group there and yeah, that's the first segment of the 2024 preview. Coach Shane Flanagan. Of course, a new coach. Many challenges. The biggest uh, I'll talk about in a moment rhymes with Jen Vunt. Uh, and yeah, Flano. Coaching-wise, Dragons have definitely got a good one. It's just... It's going to take some time, for sure. Rome wasn't built in a day. Moving on to the talking point. 
They say, if you love somebody, you should let them go. Well, apparently dragons have never heard that saying, and I don't think they love Ben Hunt. But they're definitely not letting him go. He tried. It seems like he tried very, very hard. And from the outside looking in, neutral observers can quite clearly see Ben Hunt doesn't want to be there. Now, he did want to be there. He's the captain. He's the halfback. He's been at the club for a while. So something has clearly happened. Was it the sacking of Anthony Griffin? Maybe. I think if that is the case, it wasn't so much that they sacked him. uh, It's how they went about it. Now, Dragons, such a poorly run club. Nobody shows up uh, from, you know, the administration side to Ben Hunt's 300th celebrations. So he's not exactly feeling the love. He's not at a club uh, that seems like it's destined for success. And this is a man in the final years of his career. Now, did he sign a contract? Yes, he did. And are the Dragons rightfully holding him to that contract? Yes, they are. Uh, But what really doesn't make sense to me, they let go of Jaden Sullivan. They've got Teletau Amon there, obviously. They could have freed up a million dollars in their salary cap, get rid of a player who just simply doesn't want to be there, and for a club that is already at the foot of the ladder, trying to build themselves up, they could have really done with that million dollars, but no. They want Ben Hunt to stick around. Uh, They forced him to stay there. Now, given what a professional Ben Hunt is, you know he's going to turn up and he's going to perform. But as far as the talking point, there is no more glaring talking point with the Dragons than the fact that their best player by a country mile and their leader, their captain, doesn't want to be there. Requested to go back to Queensland midway through last uh, this past season. Release request denied. They told him they want to keep him. Uh, One thing that does work in the Dragons' favour, it gives Shane Flanagan a season to show Ben Hunt kind of the path forward and say, mate, you might actually want to stick around here. Uh, But as far as not letting him go, it just baffles me. I get it. There is a very big shortage uh, of world-class number sevens. And we know how important a halfback is uh, to a lineup. But the fact that he just clearly doesn't want to be there, he's voiced his frustrations uh, about the club and the way things are being run, I just don't understand why they didn't just let him go. Now, that's coming from a Warriors fan, as I was mentioning. We didn't let Adam Fanua Blake go. We are holding him to his contract. Uh, So there are kind of double standards there. I guess I just have bias in the way I see things. But for Ben Hunt to say, I don't want to be here, I think it speaks volumes of where the Dragons are at uh, as an organization. The decision makers fall short time and time again, and there's been very little change up the top uh, to actually ensure that things get better. So for the Dragons, they've now got their halfback, their absolute superstar of the team. He's sticking around, but for how much longer? Seriously. And I think if the Dragons come into this next season and things go poorly, they continue to lose, it's just going to intensify. The chat every single week is going to be about Ben Hunt. Should you have kept him on just to finish still in the bottom four? 
Now, if the Dragons shoot right up the ladder, if they are playing finals football, well then all of us, or myself especially, are going to have to have a slice of humble pie and say, I was totally wrong. But for the Dragons, they invested in Jaden Sullivan for a number of years. It was always thought that he was the long-term option. Ben Hunt wants to leave. Jaden Sullivan wants to stay. Sullivan ends up leaving. Ben Hunt stays. For how long? For how much longer? If he gets to the end of the season, do you reckon he's going to say, I'm going to stay here? I don't know. But it had to be talked about, right? It is the big talking point. And hopefully for Dragons fans, things do change. Hopefully Shane Flanagan sets a really clear vision and Ben Hunt says, you know what? Maybe there is a chance that I can actually compete for a premiership in the Red V. But right now, it is just a club that is so far from premiership success. And for a guy who, in his mid-30s now, you know, creeping toward the final years of his career, do you want to use your best years at a club that is finishing, what, 15th, 16th? Just doesn't make sense to me. Even best case scenario, congratulations, Dragons, you held on to Ben Hunt. How long is he going to stick around? Two, three years? And on the Jaden Sullivan front, they let go of a player who they could have had for 10 years. Now, maybe there was something happening at training. I don't know. I haven't been there. Uh, Dragons. Yeah, I didn't get a train and trial deal. They, they uh, heard what I said about their Ford pack. And yeah, I don't think they're too happy. So I've never been at training. Maybe Jaden Sullivan was there. I don't know, showing them signs of like, oh, maybe we shouldn't invest so heavily in this youngster. But I don't know. It just leaves a lot, a lot to be questioned that you would let a young kid like that go and keep a star, yes, your captain, yes. But the bottom line, a guy who really doesn't want to be there, he hasn't just said, oh, I would prefer not to be here. He was saying, like, oh, please, please, I will fucking, I will pay you guys. Like, you don't have to pay me anything of the contract that you owed. Please, 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 just let me leave. I am begging you. And the dragons were like, no, no. So, yeah. If things go right, if the dragons go very well in 2024, we're going to look at that decision and say, well done to the dragons, because so often... We see release requests, and clubs kind of get backed into a corner, release the player, and come away, you know, you've just lost a great player and got nothing in return. So if Dragons go very well, we're going to look back and say, great call, and I will have to be the first to give them their flowers. But I'll be shocked if the Dragons do come out and they kill it and they are competing for the Premiership. So as they start to rebuild a club that, yeah, has just kind of sat in this mediocre part of the ladder for, goodness gracious, pretty much since Wayne Bennett left. Now, Paul McGregor had some fantastic years as coach, but they got rid of him. They got rid of Anthony Griffin. Shane Flanagan comes in. And yeah, just with the roster and with mainly... Mainly what's going on up top. 
because even Peter Doust was a name that got mentioned quite a lot as one of the problems of the club. I believe he kind of stepped aside from his role, but is still involved. Like, I think he just stepped down from an official role and is still involved. So it's the same guys making the same crap decisions, and I will be shocked if that allows the playing roster to get the best out of themselves. At least for 2024, because I think they've got the right coach. When you look at some of these young players they've got, goodness gracious, you're thinking, like, there is a superstar for the next five to ten years. But you know what? I was thinking that about Jaden Sullivan. I was thinking that about Tyrell Sloan. So it's one thing to have all these great young talents. It's another thing to actually develop them and put the time in to make sure that you actually get their full potential. So it is worrying the Dragons' very poor track record of actually bringing these star juniors through and getting them up to speed at NRL level. But if anyone is going to do it, it's Shane Flanagan. Uh, so I think that is one positive as far as the junior development. Now there's actually a coach who you can have faith in that once these youngsters reach NRL level, he's not just going to drop them after a couple of bad weeks and he's going to teach them the fundamentals uh, to get them to where they need to be. So for the Dragons, Shane Flanagan, he is most definitely uh, the game changer that is coming in here and to set a lot of the wrongs made by the club, to set them right and get things going again. But biggest challenge and the biggest talking point, Ben Hunt does not want to be there. I'm telling you, I was in Illawarra and I was in my car. I looked in the car next to me in the back seat, Ben Hunt, and he kept blinking twice. And I was like, what is going on? And then I looked it up later. You blink twice uh, if you're in danger and you're being held against your will. So, yeah, there's two ways it can go. Hindsight is a beautiful thing. Let's see whether it's, wow, fantastic call by the Dragons. Like, they didn't get bullied into releasing him, and it has paid off big time. Ben Hunt playing as good as he ever has, and now the Dragons, as a team, are on the up. Or it's going to be, once again, Dragons sitting in the bottom four, very average season, you've got a million dollars invested in a player that doesn't want to be there, and even if he does want to be there, he's not going to be there for another five years. So, that's the talking point. Food for thought. One, six, seven, and nine. It is time to talk about the dragon's spine. A bit of fucking Dr. Zeus kind of vibes going on there. But uh, the spine for the dragons, which if you're not familiar with that terminology, uh, I'm going to assume you are, but if you're not, it's the fullback, 5'8", a halfback, dummy half. Some people believe in the modern game as well, the 13. But we'll, we'll talk about the 13 anyway. So the 1, 6, 7, and 9 are the crucial combinations over the last couple of years. You know, we see players that are in the fullback position or halfback usually win the Dally M. So that's where a lot of the stars of the game are at. Although shout out to the fucking Fords, as always. And I think particularly one of the biggest talking points across the NRL 
uh, is the importance of having a world-class halfback, which, in the Dragons' case, at least for now, they most certainly do. Uh, so having a look across their spine, I'm going to start with the fullback. The one just makes sense numerically. Uh, now, Tyrell Sloan, this young star of the future, a couple of years ago, uh, before we saw Anthony Griffin arrive, Tyrell Sloan kind of got an opportunity toward the back end of the season. Uh, and in his rookie season, with just a handful of games, he showed a lot of promise. Now, Anthony Griffin arrives at the club uh, during the season. Tyrell Sloan gets dropped very early, uh, which at the time, a lot of people critical of. I think with hindsight, seeing some of the things uh, that Sloan's still working on in his game, now it made a little bit more sense that maybe Anthony Griffin was seeing something. Uh, but he put Moses Mbai in the position, which it's like, is that really moving forward or is that just sideways? And I'm a massive Moses Mbai fan, uh, but he's not an out-and-out fullback by any means. Uh, so Tyrell Sloan, he gets dropped. It kind of hampers his development. And over this past season, uh, there were some real highlights, but a lot of lowlights. And I only say that as a fan of his. And Tyrell has actually publicly admitted, you know, he, he's well aware and he's working on it. And he's a young man. He's younger than me. Uh, I remember what I was like at that age. Fucking clubbing every weekend. And like, yeah, I was... I was not going to training. I was not being a dedicated athlete. I certainly, at that age, I was not trying to improve myself, which maybe I should have. But Tyrell Sloan, as a young kid, he is doing all of this. Like, he's working on it. And with Shane Flanagan, I think Flanagan's got that kind of special touch to get the best out of Sloan. I mean, I think back to Ben Barber and how he played uh, under, under uh, Flano. My apologies, I was going to say... Sloan. Uh, but the most interesting thing when it comes to the fullback position, it looks like Tyrell Sloan, he may either have to bide his time on the wing uh, or really ply his craft in reserve grade. Now, in the Curry knockout, uh, he sustained an injury. I know there are a lot of opinions on NRL players taking part in Curry knockout. I personally love it. I think it's way bigger than the NRL. I think especially... You know, young kids go and watch. And it's one thing for players to be there, but when you've got all these big names playing in the tournament, and in a lot of cases uh, for the Indigenous community, against, like, your family members, or you are family members with this, uh, these NRL players, when they actually get out there and mix it up, I think there's a lot of kids watching who think, you know what, I love rugby league. And then as soon as they're old enough, uh, they start to get introduced to it. It's a great way uh, to really entice more young talent into the game. So I'm a massive fan of the Curry knockout. I know there were a couple of incidents over the last one, one being Sloan's injury and kind of missing what is a very important preseason for him. And I get it. Like if you're a Dragons fan, you might be like, ah, oh, damn, I wish he didn't play in that. But there are plenty of other fixtures. Like as a Warriors fan, there are times where it's like, you know, Charles Nicole Klukstad, in the Pacific Championships, played a whole game with, what was it, broken ribs? And it's like, oh, damn, that's not ideal, uh, but you're playing in an important fixture. And the Korean knockout, it's not internationals, but in its own right, 
uh, it holds a great deal of importance. So I'm a huge fan of it. Uh, but on the Dragons fullback front, which is what we're talking about, Sloan, that puts him a few steps behind in the race already because he's going to miss some preseason. And I think as things were already uh, toward the end of the 2023 season, it started to become more and more likely uh, that Zach Lomax, who I'm going to talk about, uh, would take that position. So Sloan already had a bit of work to do. Now he starts a bit behind the eight ball. Uh, but like I said, he's a young kid. I think if he just takes his time to develop, get back, you know, train really hard. And if you have to play reserve grade, you know, just if you get an opportunity at fullback, I think that's potentially better than playing NRL on the wing. Although I guess you've seen a lot of guys like Roger Tuavasa-Shek and the like kind of ply them, their trade on the wing before playing fullback. So maybe Tyrell Sloan in the mix for a wing position, but I don't think it would be the worst thing to just get him playing consistently at New South Wales Cup level, trust him with the fullback role there, and kind of just let him build the fundamentals of his game. Because I don't think Tyrell Sloan's a write-off. The way some people talk about him, it's like his NRL career is done. He's already off to Super League. I don't think it is as grim as that because the Dragons is a hard club or are a hard club uh, to really thrive at, not just for young players, uh, but even for some of their top-end talent. So Sloan, I just think it's one of those situations that needs time. And so that presents Zach Lomax in the fullback role. I think they will move him from centres by all reports. That's exactly what's going to happen I think Shane Flanagan puts him in the one jersey. Uh, where Lomax did get tried, I think it was under Paul McGregor, and it was like maximum two games. It might have even been one game, and then he got dropped. And he spent a whole preseason there, uh, which is kind of strange, but Dragons have been kind of strange in general for a while. Back end of this past season, uh, Lomax did get some opportunities at fullback and killed it. Uh, I've got a couple of notes, just because, uh, yeah, I can't really say why, but I just do. Uh, Zach Lomax, what have I fucking got? Sorry. Now I've gone bloody off track. Zach Lomax, where did you go, bro? Ah, uh, I wrote some things for later, because I'm going to speak more about Zach Lomax. So actually, forget about that. Uh, but final thoughts on the fullback move. I think they need to stick with it. Especially, like, all the things I just mentioned about Tyrell Sloan. Give him some time out of the cauldron, like, either on the wing or reserve grade playing fullback, and stick with Lomax. I think especially going into this year, Lomax now, he's a senior player. He's gone from a Tyrell Sloan, like, this really promising young junior, people looking at and saying, Oh, this kid, a future New South Wales Blue. He's been around for a while. Uh, as I mentioned, Dragons are a very hard club to thrive at. This season, though, it's time for Lomax to be that guy. Uh, and that's why I'm going to talk about him a little bit later. Uh, but we'll save that when I get there. Uh, as far as the way he plays the game, I guess ball playing uh, maybe 
one thing he'll have to really add to his game. Uh, but why not? Involvement. That is the key. Uh, and I think when he was playing his best football, it was when he was getting his hands on it. So for the Dragons, especially if Ben Hunt isn't sticking around long term, if you're going to start your game plans and set plays around a player, I mean, you have a halfback that can execute them. But the real icing on the cake could be Zach Lomax. So massive step up in responsibility for him this year. He's well and truly a senior player. And I think the time is right. From what we've seen, he was playing very well at points last year. So I think it's logically the next step. And Zach Lomax is ready for it. So fullback roll. It's a big one. It's a doozy. As is the 5'8 roll. And Kyle Flanagan. Daddy. I mean, well, he's a son, but Shane Flanagan is daddy. And yeah, Kyle Flanagan. He was actually a killer junior at the Sharks. I played alongside. I'm pretty sure he came through with guys like Sione Katoa. And at the time, a Cronulla in the junior grades under 20s. Or under 21's jersey flag, whatever it's bloody called. Uh, at that time, when Flanagan was coming through, like those Sharks boys were as good as what Penrith were bringing through. Kyle Flanagan, fast forward, spent some time at the Sharks, goes to the Roosters, where he seemed to play quite well. And then the Roosters were like, go, get out of here. Which seemed pretty harsh. Then he goes to the Bulldogs, like the Dragons, a hard club to thrive at. Now he's here at the Dragons after what was not a very successful stint, not just for Kyle at the Bulldogs, but for the club, Bulldogs in general. Now he's at the Dragons. I think playing under his dad is actually a good thing. We've seen examples with Jake and Brad Arthur where the criticism can be really harsh. And, you know, people say things that would insinuate that Jake Arthur's only there because his dad's the coach. And, I mean, these kids work hard. Like, usually, at least in my personal experience playing rugby league uh, growing up, usually it's the coach's son who has to work the hardest. You know, like, usually if the dad's a coach, you know, he sets the highest standard for his own son. So it's not an easy gig, uh, but we've seen great cases. I mean, Nathan and Ivan Cleary, obviously that comes to mind. But what about Kevin and Billy Walters? That was one kind of like this Flanagan scenario, although at a much better club, where from the outside looking in initially, it's like, oh, okay, Billy Walters going to get that starting nine jersey. Kevin Walters, the coach. At the time, Billy Walters very much as unproven as uh, Kyle Flanagan is now heading into this. And it's been a masterstroke. I mean, we saw how well it worked for the Broncos. So I actually think it's a good, it's a good mix. You know, if you can get the best out of Kyle Flanagan, he's actually an exceptional player. And I think the dynamic of Shane and Kyle together, Shane's going to be very honest. And I mean, Kyle's not supposed to be starting. I think they said they brought him over uh, as a nine option, which in reserve grade over this past year, uh, he was actually really good in that position, albeit 
in reserve grade. But I think there was one game he scored four tries, four meat pies. Unbelievable. Uh, so they were actually looking at him uh, as a potential nine option or maybe a 14. Talatau Amon. I will be honest, I haven't read exactly what happened. Some kind of hammer-related shenanigans. It looks like Amon is going to miss the start of the season. I, I don't know if that's confirmed. It may even be confirmed. I actually think it is. Not by me, obviously. So Kyle Flanagan takes the position. Just quickly, on Teletower Moon, if he can keep his act together, um, I think he's the long-term six. So you really want to start, uh, if you're Shane Flanagan, kind of building that relationship. And I think one of the really important things about coaches is sometimes, or a lot of the time, they play like this father figure role. And that's in all sports. I mean, you see it a lot in MMA, where there are MMA coaches and they're like a father. In fact, a guy like Bobby King Green, he actually took an M- his coach on as his father. So it's a very important role. I'm sure Teletau Moon has a dad. In fact, everyone has a dad. I just don't, I don't look into their fucking personal life, you know? But you can have more than one father figure. You can have your father, uh, but for Shane Flanagan, what I'm trying to say, and going very off track, uh, is now it's up to Flano to kind of get Talatau Moan, get his mindset right, uh, to really kind of look at the bigger picture and say, okay, you definitely fucked up here, but, I mean, Shane Flanagan, here is a guy who knows a thing or two about fucking up. And redeeming yourself, getting yourself back, Uh, to the big dance, the NRL. So I think that's going to be a very important relationship. And I think ultimately, once a moan is available, if he's ticking all the right boxes off field uh, in terms of attitude, then I think it's his position long term. But let's look at the start of the season. It looks as though Kyle Flanagan is going to be there. Uh, He could actually be a goal-kicking option as well if Zach Lomax... Uh, doesn't produce high numbers. And yeah, I think we'll see a better version of Kyle Flanagan. I don't know if we'll see, you know, a state of origin standard player, but that's a huge ask. I think we're going to see the best we've seen of Kyle Flanagan in the NRL. I think if anyone knows how to really get his game going, it's going to be his own father. You've got Ben Hunt, very experienced And Kyle Flanagan, what works in his favour, he's been in NRL systems for a while now, bounced around a few clubs, learnt from a a couple of different halves, uh, and just players in general. And now he arrives at the Dragons, and amongst this team, it is going to be tough if the Ford pack can't get on the front foot, and then all of a sudden Kyle Flanagan has a real uphill battle. But I like his kicking game, and given he has to start there, well, fuck it. Just back him in. And then it's going to be up to Talatau Moan to win that spot back. Uh, the other option, Jack Bird. Uh, he spoke on the Bloke in a Bard podcast. And I was like, you know what? I'm about to record the Dragons pod. So may as well get some insight from one of the players. Uh, but Jack Bird was speaking about where he wants to play. Uh, now, 
a lot of people, myself included, really like him in the 13 role as a ball-playing lock. But Bird on the podcast was, he was just speaking about how he doesn't want to play in the middle. And his body, you know, he's had a lot of injuries and faced a lot of adversity physically. So I think it's fair. Uh, edge back row, it doesn't, doesn't seem like he wants to play in the forwards. I think with Lomax moving to fullback, uh, we're going to see Jack Bird play at centre. Side note, won a premiership there. Side note, under Shane Flanagan. Uh, so I think if Bird can get fit and healthy, far out. There is some strike on the edge. Obviously, when you lose Lomax in that position, it's tough. It's tough to get another player who kind of has that oomph. Jack Bird most certainly does. Uh, but then, Kyle Flanagan, if he's struggling, if he's suspended or injured, if Talatau and Moen not quite in the picture early season, is it Jack Bird? Is he the one uh, who then steps into the 5-8 role? Again, made his debut there under Shane Flanagan. Uh, and in his rookie season, was unbelievable. I remember I paid very close attention uh, to Jack Bird when he was a Dragons junior. And I, I thought he would be in the forwards, 13 or back row. And when Flano first put him at 5'8", I was like, bold call. By the end of that season, I was like, holy shit, this kid is a weapon. I say kid, he might be older than me. Uh, but yeah, Jack Bird, he'll be in the mix for a half spot if Kyle Flanagan goes down. Saying that, it's kind of like, oh... You know, it's like, oh, they have to go this guy if Kyle Flanagan goes down. Not the strongest stocks. But in life and in the NRL, we must deal with the cards we have. And the cards the Dragons have right now in the number six, and the card in particular that looks like it's going to be played from round one, Kyle Flanagan. Coach, Daddy Shane. Seven, halfback, aka the number seven. He wants to leave, but he is the captain. And the dragons do need him. So, yeah, I don't mind it. I think my, my heart and my main opinion is that they should have let him go. But not, I mean, it's not a shocking call to make him stay, given uh, how much of a class player he is. So yeah, the Ben Hunt situation, I spoke about it before. He wants to leave. A potential solutions though. What I thought I might talk about quickly. Potential solutions, what way to go. Uh, and as far as 2024, well, there's no more better and more influential player in this lineup than Ben Hunt. Has it all, has the kicking game, has a running game organizes the guys, gets them to the spots they need to be on, uh, be in, sorry, on the field. I need to clear my throat. One moment, bloody hell. Excuse me, throat cleared. Uh, but yeah, Ben Hunt, he's been at the Dragons for a while, uh, very familiar with the players, there are combinations there. And as far as 2024 and their spine, I mean, he is the glue that holds everything together. That is why it's so concerning. Is that a guy like that, the glue that holds everything together, 
wants to go, how are you going to keep it together? You know, that's, that's the real challenge. But I don't like to just talk about, you know, the negative side. So what are my potential solutions? Because I just know that the Dragon's decision makers uh, care and that people in general care. Uh, but these are my potential solutions. I thought instead of coming at you with problems, if you're a Dragon's fan, why don't I present a couple of potential solutions? These are just semi-realistic ones. I'm not saying, you know, throw a million dollars at Nathan Cleary. Uh, nothing like that. But I say Ben Hunt, let him go at season's end. Free up the million dollars. Uh, the cap is going up or has already gone up as well. And it seems like they're trying to get Adam Fanua Blake with money not tied into this Ben Hunt deal. Because at the moment, they want him to stay even beyond uh, the 2024 season. So it looks like already they have the resources to get Adam Fanua Blake. What they need to have uh, is a player swap. Now, as a Warriors fan, like I said, respectfully not anyone in the Dragons team that thrills me just as far as what we're giving up and what we would be getting. Uh, but this is with a Dragons hat on right now. Let's say Warriors, they're happy with Jaden Sewer. Jaden Sewer, there had already been rumours that he wasn't really settled at the Dragons. Uh, so you let Jaden Sewer go. And let's say, I fucking hope they don't, but I guess he's going anyway, that they get Adam Fanua Blake. That's a huge move. And reminder, this is not with the Ben Hunt money. So now this goes back to what I said. Let Ben Hunt go at season's end. If you can get Adam Fanua Blake, we have seen, I mean, look at Payne Haas, look at Penrith's props. If you can have the absolute cream of the crop in the front row, it is a game changer. So Adam Fanua Blake, if Dragons can get him, that is the first step and a huge step. Uh, toward getting back to where the fans want them to be. Now, Ben Hunt money. How should they use it? I believe they should get an NRL standard forward. N not that they don't have them. They do have them. Uh, but they should look for a guy in the market that's maybe $500,000, $600,000, maybe even $400,000. Uh, just a really steady hand. I mean, you could look at the Cowboys. They obviously have a surplus of back rowers. Just look at some sides that have Fords uh, maybe not getting as many minutes as they want or maybe not fully happy at their club. You could even look at maybe a guy like Liam Henry uh, from the Panthers. I think they have re-signed him, but like a really young Ford who can do the job. But with that money as well, I think they should look for a halfback that isn't $1 million and invest some of that money elsewhere. Kind of level up the rest of the squad. Uh, so who are my ideas of potential halfbacks that the club could look at? Jonah Pezzett from the Melbourne Storm. Uh, stuck behind Jerome Hughes and Cameron Munster. He is the next guy up, but I mean, you can entice him and say, you're not the next guy up at the Dragons. You're the number seven. 
you are the most important guy. Uh, so, yeah, Jonah Pezzett. I think Storm will try very hard to keep him. But yeah, that's the carrot you dangle. NRL. Number seven jersey. It's, it's a pretty big one to try and entice a very talented youngster to leave. And yeah, obviously Jonah Pezzett, not Ben Hunt, but you're also not paying him a million dollars. This other one I really like, Jackson Hastings. He was a Dragons junior. I was looked at as the next big thing. And at the Knights, they've signed Jack Cogger. They've got Tyson Campbell. They also have Hastings. It seems like in this coming season, one of those guys is going to be unlucky and not start in the halves. I think Jackson Hastings, you're not paying him a million dollars again, uh, and he can do a lot. I think out of all the guys I'm going to mention, I actually probably like Jackson Hastings the most. I think about what he did in the Super League with Salford, and yes, that is the Super League, but, I mean, Salford, they, they are not one of the, the big clubs of the Super League. So he led a grand revival. I don't even know if it was a revival. I think you have to be awesome to be revived. I don't even know if Selfid got revived. I think it was, you know, a real special run. So Hastings knows a thing or two about coming to a club that is at the foot of the ladder and really overperforming. So Hastings, he is definitely an option. Is he Ben Hunt? No. Are you paying him $1 million? No. The next guy Dragons could monitor, Tana Boyd uh, from the Titans. It looks like he is going to start the year at halfback for the Gold Coast under Des Hasler. So he's going to be learning a lot this year. And yeah, if they want Ben Hunt, if it's the Titans uh, who are in the race, maybe ask for Tana Boyd in return. But like I said, monitor. See how he goes week to week for the Titans. Uh, and if you like the look of him, if you're going to lose Ben Hunt anyway, I mean, Tana Boyd. The Jonah Pezzets and the Tana Boyd options, it's kind of like Ben Hunt you get for one year, three or four maximum. Tana Boyd, Jonah Pezzett, you could potentially get for 10 years. Uh, and maybe not right away, are they playing at Ben Hunt's level? But by year four or five, they could be, you know, not even at their peak and really delivering. So Tana Boyd could be an option if it's the Gold Coast uh, that Ben Hunt is looking to sign with. Chad Townsend won a premiership uh, at halfback under Shane Flanagan. Uh, I don't think we class Chad Townsend quite in that same tier as Ben Hunt, uh, given the extensive representative honours for Ben Hunt. Uh, but Chad Townsend, essentially, same role, less money. You pay him way less than you need to pay Ben Hunt. And before, I didn't even know when I wrote that, I just got reminded in my own brain, the Shane Flanagan link. So could be an option. Uh, if it is the Dolphins that Ben Hunt wants to go to, maybe you take Sean O'Sullivan. Again, not Ben Hunt, uh, but you can get him at a modest price. And I think he's a very crafty halfback. Andrew Johns uh, was someone that had... Very high praise for Sean O'Sullivan. And yeah, he could be a great option to tide over the next four or five years. Whilst the Dragons look to this young brigade that they have. Great junior nursery 
uh, Wollongong, Illawarra, they've got a pretty decent reach. A lot of good young kids come through. Dragons just can't seem to get it right. Uh, but if you want someone to hold it down in the meantime, Sean O'Sullivan could do a lot worse. And just say to Dolphins, if you want Ben Hunt, we want one of yours. Uh, the other option, if Dolphins want him, Isaiah Katoa. Uh, now that one, I don't see as super realistic. I think one thing that's kind of not spoken about is Christian Wolf taking over as the Dolphins coach from 2025. Uh, obviously the Tongan coach, Isaiah Katoa, a Tongan who spent time at international level with Christian Wolf. Uh, I, I don't reckon they would lose him. But if Dragons could get him, that would be a great one to say, look, Dragons fans, yes, we've lost this world-class player, but we got Isaiah Katoa and this kid. I mean, he's not world-class yet, but he's only at the very beginning of his career. Uh, now, one of the options, I don't really like this one. I don't know if Dragons would either. Uh, Anthony Milford punt. Does Shane Flanagan try and work his magic? We've seen him do it before. Ben Barber came to the Sharks, uh, and he was a few years removed from the absolute wizard we saw at the Bulldogs. Spent time at the Broncos, I transitioned into a 5.8, which is what he came over to play at the Sharks. Uh, it wasn't quite working. I think Jack Bird moved in there, Barber back to fullback. The rest was history. Uh, so Shane Flanagan can work his magic, uh, but I think Ben Barber at that point was a much better prospect than the Anthony Milford of today, unfortunately, given how he burst onto the scene. Uh, but Anthony Milford, that's one probably, yeah, I, I, I think not, not probably the option, just given it seems like Milford. I mean, we all have different ventures in life that interest us, and it doesn't seem at this point like he's fully 100% interested and invested uh, in rugby league. Never met him, though. Never see him day to day, so... I, I truly don't know, but that's another option. How about Ben Hunt? He's the halfback for this next season. And yeah, we'll see. I'm sure the media, there's going to be a lot of stories. And yeah, it'll be like Ben Hunt's cousin's neighbor spoke to the staff writers. And yeah, he's he's very unhappy at the club. You know, that kind of shit. So uh, watch this space. I know I sure will. Uh, number nine, like I said, Sh uh, not Shane Flanagan, well, he was a number nine. If Dragons keep playing like they have been in recent years, who knows? Maybe Shane just goes, fuck it, captain coach. I mean, he might have to be captain coach if Ben Hunt leaves, but uh, Kyle Flanagan, he, he could find himself there at some point. Jacob Little, uh, he's probably the most likely candidate. And Connor Mulheisen, who we saw at the back end of last year. Uh, this is a massive season for Jacob Little. He, kind of like I was saying about Zach Lomax earlier, the time in the career now, it's past that, you know, potential player of, oh, shit, you know, once this kid reaches his peak, it is on. Uh, Little's been around for a hot minute. Now, he suffered some pretty bad injuries, a lot of setbacks, uh, and especially early on this past season, he looked really good for the Dragons. 
uh, but I still think it's a massive season. Number nine, very important position. Shane Flanagan in the player market, he's shown he's ready to make moves. And I think it's up to Jacob Little to convince the coach. Mate, I'm your guy. Uh, Connor Mulhuizen, he'll be pushing for the position. Final thoughts on the spine. Uh, Zach Lomax at fullback. I think he's ready. I think judging by his performances uh, this year, I think he's ready. And especially when you kind of look at the performances of Tyrell Sloan as well, who just needs a little bit more time. It's, he's not cooked, you know? If he was a chicken, this is a fucking weird analogy, you know, a turkey, you put him in the oven, you've taken him out, out ahead of the 2024 season, and he's just maybe, maybe he's ready, but you know, he could definitely do with a bit more time in the oven, but he's not fully cooked. It hasn't been fucked, it hasn't been left in the oven too long, and it's a disaster. It just needs a bit more time. I don't know why I came out with that analogy. It didn't really make sense, but yeah. He just needs a bit more time. Not fully cooked at all. Uh, Zach Lomax, in terms of time, it's his. It is his time to wear the number one uh, and really deliver on what Dragons fans believe he truly is. Uh, Teletau Amon, uh, I don't know. I just don't know like what, what's happening there because I don't keep up with the stories uh, and I know like there were legal dramas but in most cases especially the off season I'm just like you know that's whatever it's the court's business like I'm more interested in Teletau Amon when he is on the field as a player I'm not so much interested in what happens in his personal life I mean if there's good things going on why not but if shit is going down that's that's his business I'm not too clued in into what's going on there but Kyle Flanagan done the Stephen Bradbury everyone else has fallen over and now uh, it's his chance and fuck I mean as humans how good is it when you do get a chance uh, and we've seen a lot of cases many many times in a lot of sports a lot of aspects of life where again someone looks cooked it looks like there's nothing there uh, and then all of a sudden they got a point to prove uh, that they are NRL standard. In this case, Kyle Flanagan, he gets an opportunity. How good? It's up to him. Like, if he doesn't quite play up to the NRL standard, the opportunity may pass him by. I'm a half-glass-full kind of guy, though. I think this is Kyle Flanagan's time. Uh, and if Dragons hit form, if they actually play way better than a lot of fans expect, Kyle Flanagan could be talked about as one of the real value buys. Who knows? Uh, ben Hunt, yeah, he just he keeps coming up, and I think I've mentioned that he wants to leave. Uh, but who knows? Again, maybe he says, Shane Flanagan, the dragons are awesome. I actually love it here, and I am going to stay. Uh, that is another watch this space. And Jacob Little, big year for Jacob. Moving across the team, going to have a look at the other backline positions. Uh, centres, like I said, I think we'll see Jack Bird in there and Moses Suley, uh, obviously, 
that's his position to lose. Uh, I don't know what side he will play left and right. Is it super important? Uh, I don't know. Jack Bird played on the right side uh, when he won the Premiership at the Sharks. Fun fact. Wasn't very fun. Uh, Michaeli Ravalawa on the right wing. That seems very likely. Uh, unless he has one of the all-time meltdowns, which is highly unlikely. Uh, so Ravalawa on that right wing. Who plays left wing? Matt Figai. Uh, he has been playing there over the last couple of years. I read as well that his brother Max was told he's free to move on. Uh, and the Figai twins really interested me. They came through uh, Australian schoolboys level at the same time as Reese Walsh played alongside Sam Walker. So I've been keeping a close eye on them. And yeah, they haven't quite been able to come through and become those absolute weapons uh, in the top flight. But this seems, rather than the players themselves, it seems to be like quite a common theme at the Dragons. Uh, where these players in the junior grades killing it. And I know obviously it's a totally different beast playing at NRL level, but we see a lot of other clubs manage it a lot better, bringing these guys through. Uh, so Matt Figueroa on the left wing seems quite likely, uh, but he'll have to compete for the position and earn it through the trials. Uh, Shane Flanagan, again, I keep going back to the coach because he's a great coach. So when you look at these Matt Fear guys of the world, uh, Shane Flanagan is the right guy. Uh, to get them playing to their full potential. Uh, other guys in the squad, I believe his name is Savalio Tamali. Uh, I may have to check myself on that. Epic name. Uh, he played under-19s origin for the Blues. Played on the wing there, uh, although I think he might be a centre. Haven't fully looked into him, uh, but he could definitely be one that storms onto the scene. Or Sione Finau. Is his name Sione Finau? Let me just... <laughs> Actually, should check that. I'm pretty sure it's Sione for now, uh, because this is a kid who came through the Melbourne uh, system. It's not Melbourne Storm, but actually a Melbourne rugby league player, uh, which is very rare to see come through the NRL. Uh, well, he made his debut later in this most recent season. Sorry, just having a look for his actual name. Yeah, it is Sione for now, uh, and I like him. I think he could be a schmokey to actually start the year on the left wing. Next on the agenda, we have the X Factor player for the Dragons, uh, which for the last few years has been Ben Hunt. Uh, and going into this year, like, Ben Hunt has recommitted, oh, not recommitted. He still wants to go. But for this upcoming season, he's committed. There's not going to be any shenanigans. He's going to put his head down, get to work. Uh, and I think everyone will reevaluate where things are at at the end of next year. So whilst Ben Hunt is still committed, whilst he is clearly still uh, the Dragons' most influential player, I thought given that you know, the long-term future of Ben Hunt and the Dragons as a pairing seems like it's not going to be, you know, many, many years to come. 
So I've picked a player uh, that I think can step up because we can see in the player market, they're going after AFB, they're looking at Tom Dearden, Joey Manu, uh, and the narrative around the Dragons for quite some time has been fairly or unfairly uh, that Ben Hunt is essentially carrying this team on his back. So it kind of makes you look around and think, you know, who can be that player to say to Flano with their actions, maybe you don't need to go after a Joey Manu. Maybe you don't need to spend a million dollars in that area. I can be that guy. And it is a guy that I've spoken about already on this podcast, that being Zach Lomax. Looking like he's going to switch to fullback coming into this season. A very key position. And like I mentioned earlier, the time just feels right for Lomax to take his game to that next level. So when you look at this side, Ben Hunt, uh, future for this next season, like he'll be there. But, you know, it doesn't look like he's going to be there for too much longer. So for Zach Lomax, now really is his time as a senior player uh, to be one of those other guys within the team that when you're looking for something, when the team needs something, who wants the ball? For the longest time, it's been Ben Hunt, and that's very easy for opposition defenses to work out. You know, you keep very close tabs on Ben Hunt, and then at times, you know, you leave a roaming option like Tyrell Sloan open, and they can hurt you, but more often than not, Dragons have failed to execute. Uh, so what's really key with the position switch for Zach Lomax, uh, dropping back to fullback, is the fact he's going to be getting his hands on the ball a lot more. They don't have to design plays where they're attacking to the right. And again, uh, for opposition defences, if you know that Lomax is one of their major strike weapons, if he's out there at right centre and strictly playing his footy on that side of the park, it makes it a lot easier to contain him. So now Lomax is going to have a licence to roam, going to be able to pop up not just on both sides of the field, uh, but also crucially through that middle, if someone's able to free up an offload, second phase play. Zach Lomax, he has a lot of strike with ball in hand. Uh, So it's a crucial move for his career to take that next step. And for where the Dragons are at, uh, not just with Sloan, who's going to take some time, but also the really unfortunate uh, situation with Cody Ramsey, Uh, who's suffering an illness. Doesn't look like he's going to play at all in 2024, Uh, but they're still paying him, which I love from the Dragons. Uh, And best wishes to Cody for sure. But Ramsey actually was looking like their best option at fullback when he was healthy uh, and on the field. So there's no Cody Ramsey, very unfortunate. Tyrell Sloan uh, coming into this preseason injured. Zach Lomax steps up into this role. And when you think about X-Factor, Lomax has plenty of it, and now that he's not stuck on that right side, I think if Dragons are smart, they're going to start making some plays uh, around Lomax. Because like I said, Ben Hunt will be there next year, but I don't think he'll be there 2025. So why not start to plan for life after Ben Hunt while he's still there to hold the fort down. So now I think Lomax 
he's ready to excel. Uh, at the back end of last year, we saw him very briefly spend a bit of time at fullback, uh, and he killed it there. That was what initially dis- uh, started the discussion. And then from there, Shane Flanagan kind of revealed that was the way he was looking. So now Lomax, he has more importance in this side than ever. And I think the key is just to stay busy. Get involved in the contest. Uh, get Even if it's just like a hit up or a scoot out of your own end. Uh, we see a lot of fullbacks. I think Dylan Edwards is a great example. Chans Nicole Klukstad. Uh, who get through a mountain of work. So it's not just making the flashy breaks uh, and coming up with the cool set plays. A lot of it is just the tough stuff. And, you know, when you take a kick return from fullback, it's a lot more than just, you know, a hit up from 10 metres away. You're running up, you've got a defensive line who are waiting to crunch you. Uh, So for Lomax, we know he's a tough player, uh, but that's an element of his game I'm interested to see. Is he going to get through those really ugly carries out of his own end? I believe he will. Uh, And the more he can get in there, take carries and help his team out, the fresher the forwards will be to lay a platform uh, that Lomax then in attack can benefit from. This time as well, Zach is going to get a genuine opportunity to play fullback. I got a shot there a few years ago and played one game. And then they shifted him after spending a whole preseason there. So the Lomax at fullback experiment really hasn't been given a proper go. This is the first we'll see him as an out-and-out fullback. Lomax is also the goal kicker. Uh, Now Kyle Flanagan, another option. I know at times last year Lomax struggled with the boot. Uh, But that is something, you know, as an X-Factor player, that's something he can add. That when tries are being scored, every time, if you are converting those opportunities from four points into six, just naturally, it's going to help you either stay in the contest or actually go on to win. So it's a big role for Zach Lomax, not just goal kicking, obviously playing fullback in general. And I think the main reason uh, that Zach Lomax is going to get the jump over Tyrell Sloan is his defensive game. Uh, Now, there are things Tyrell Sloan can do that Zach Lomax, I don't think, can do. I don't think many people can do what Tyrell Sloan at full flight is able to do in attack. Uh, But defensively, when teams get through the Dragons' defensive line, which in the last couple of years uh, has happened much more than the Dragons' team uh, would like to be happening. When it comes down to the fullback, We see it so often that whilst fullbacks and players in general are mainly praised for their attacking stats, for a fullback, it is just as important to save tries. Probably even more so important to save the tries. Uh, So for Lomax, he is going to be that last line of defense. And I think he's a much more steady uh, and just ready for first grade contact in those defensive situations. So Lomax, I'm very interested to see uh, at points, can he save the tries? Because we know that he can score them. Uh, As I said, Ben Hunt needs more stars alongside him. In the Paul McGregor era, you know, there are players still within this team that were playing state of origin. 
And to see now a lot of those guys, like a Francis Molo, who Dragons actually signed just before he made his Origin debut, uh, but Francis Molo, Jaden Sewer come to mind, Jack DeBellin, although with Jack uh, there were a lot of other circumstances, spending time out of the game uh, that affected his Origin chances. Zach Lomax, he never played Origin. I was going to say Zach Bird, holy shit. Uh, Zach Lomax, you know, he's been spoken about for Origin in the past, uh, but with the Dragons, you know, we're still waiting for him to go to that next level in the NRL. Jack Bird played his best footy under Shane Flanagan, so that's a plus, uh, but he went from an absolute marquee player to now at the Dragons, you know, he's not in that Origin arena. So that's what I find very interesting that they have origin caliber players, the Dragons, but as a whole right now, this team, and not just the team, the Dragons in general from absolute top, CEO, board of directors, all the way through, it just it just doesn't seem to be working. Everyone seems to be going in different directions. So Shane Flanagan, he's coming in, and now I think more than ever, the Dragons are once again poised especially as individual players, are to get themselves back into that representative arena. Zach Lomax, he's the one I'm looking at as far as going to that next level. I don't know if we'll see him play Origin uh, in 2024, because now he's moving to fullback. There's going to be a lot of competition for that spot. He'll still be considered for centre, but not playing there week in, week out at NRL level, uh, may hurt his chances. But for the Dragons, that's a great thing. If you have Lomax for the entire season, he's healthy, able to stay on the park, here is a guy who, when we say Ben Hunt carries the team, who's going to step up and, you know, really become a leader? My pick, X-Factor player, Zach Lomax, or Zach Bird a player who I just merged, merging of uh, two dragons right there. But yeah, final thoughts on Zach Lomax. I've given a few already, uh, but I believe he has the ability. No player as well wants to just constantly linger down the bottom of the ladder. They are all striving to improve. In fact, I can't remember which players, or again, whether I've just totally fabricated this story in my head, but I feel like I read... An article where there are a few players at the Dragons who returned to preseason much earlier than they were supposed to. Don't fact check me on that. I may have fabricated that, but I may not have. I feel like I read, you know, guys like Ben Murdoch, Masilla coming in early. Now I'm second guessing myself. But yeah, what I'm trying to get to with that point is these guys are going to be working very hard. And social media, it's a myth, it's not real. Uh, but from the videos in preseason I see of the Dragons, uh, and they don't have everyone back yet, I'm seeing some smiles. It looks like they're working hard. Uh, and I think there's a really fresh, renewed energy around the joint, given that now there is stability and there is a path forward. Right now, uh, they're much closer to the start of this path than, you know, the successful part and enjoying the fruits of the work they're going to have to put in. But when Shane Flanagan's here, 
they now know, okay, this is the coach. And at the very base level, absolute bare minimum, they can enter this season not having to be like, fuck, I'm 90% sure my coach is going to get sacked, which is how they entered last year with Anthony Griffin. Uh, so made it very hard before their season had even kicked off to actually have success when from the get-go, you don't even, like, you're pretty confident the coach is gone, skis. Now with Shane Flanagan, you have that stability uh, and it's back on the players now, the responsibility uh, to work hard, get themselves ready and give a much better account of themselves. X-Factor player, the one who I think can have a special season, Zachary Lomax. We've looked into the spine, I also had a look at the back five. Let's now cast our eye to the forward pack. Uh, now for dummy halves, I mentioned before, Jacob Little, Connor Mulheisen. Uh, but Ford Pack, are they up to it? And I mean this very respectfully. Uh, but with the Dragons, like last, this past season, when I was doing podcasts, doing tipping, and going against them most weeks, I just would look at their Ford Pack and I'd look at, you know, the team across from them and go, ah, oh, you know, Broncos have Paddy Carrigan, Payne Haas, Raiders have a pretty almighty Ford Pack with Joseph Tarpanay in a rich vein of form, you know, Warriors have Adam Fenua Blake for how much longer? I don't know. Uh, and Dragons could get him. And that is really what the Dragons need. Like, it's a very serviceable forward pack. I think they are just one player short, and I don't know whether that's in the middle or on the edge, but one genuine game breaker. And I'll go back to what I said before that Quite a few of these players have been origin representatives or internationals. So I think, yeah, I think they just need one more piece to really complement what they've got going. Uh, but I'll have a look at the Ford pack going into next year. Who looks like they'll start? Uh, Lock Ford. Jack DeBellin. He does have some pretty good uh, playmaking skills, even though he could be served as a prop as well, just playing in the middle. Uh, Jack Bird, I think many people, myself included, feel like he'd be the ultimate 13, uh, but he doesn't He doesn't want to play there. So it makes it a bit less ultimate if the player's like, fuck, I'd rather not. Which And Jack Bird's totally within his rights, uh, given the history of what he's had to go through with injury. Like, it makes sense, but Jack Bird with all his skills, would be the perfect 13. Uh, so who does start there? Jack DeBellin, I think? I don't really know. They don't have anyone that is that prototype modern-day 13, like a Cameron Murray or a Victor Radley, Isaiah Yo, Tohu Harris. You know, someone that if they were just a bit smaller in stature could play in the halves uh, with what they're offering. So Dragons, they don't have anyone that screams out, I'm a ball-playing 13, who's really going to be a point of difference. Uh, but Jack DeBellin, he's made Origin playing 13 before, so 
that would make sense, I think. Ahame Sele, who is one of the few guys they've brought over for this next season, I actually spent some time with the Dragons in the past. Now, this isn't a signing that is going to shake the world up, but I actually thought Sele, when he was playing for South Sydney last season, was one of the best forwards. Like, he was playing well above what I imagine he would have been getting paid, like where his value was at. So that's a signing I really like for the Dragons. Maybe he plays 13, has played there in the past, uh, otherwise front row. And we do wonder, is the signing of Sele going to be enough uh, to really change the fortunes of this Ford pack? I'm not sure, but as I did say before, like, there are some good players in this Ford pack, and they seem to be one or two uh, real guns away from just totally exploding and being able to really impose themselves. Now, Hame Sele seems like more of a depth pickup, but who knows? If he gets into that side, starts ripping in, and Flano can start getting the best out of DeBellin, you know, guys like Jaden Sewer we could see a much improved dragon side. Uh, that's going to be the key though, really getting the best out of these players. You have the Molo brothers, Francis Molo, who's played for Queensland previously, and Michael Molo, who I've become a big fan of. I think Michael Molo will be in the 17 uh, to start the season, as will Francis. Uh, so you've got the Molo brothers. In fact, you've got a few brothers uh, and another pair that I'll talk about shortly. Uh, but the Molo brothers, if you look at where they stand in this Ford pack, especially Francis, uh, they are leaders. So it's a big season for them. Shane Flanagan has mentioned many times about wanting to get these former Origin reps back up to that standard uh, where they are in the frame for selection. Big year for Francis Molo. Blake Laurie, uh, I think he's my favorite in the Dragons Ford pack. He just goes and goes and goes, nicknamed Blocker. No stranger out of scoring a meat pie either. Blake Laurie, he's a good one. Uh, and I think as the Dragons try to make this transition from dwelling at the bottom of the ladder uh, into being a premiership force, a guy like Blake Laurie, not just on field, but having around the squad off field is invaluable. So he, when I look at the Ford pack, I know Jack DeBellin, very much a leader as well, uh, but Blake Laurie, he's a senior player. From memory, uh, at one point when Ben Hunt was out, I think Laurie got the captaincy. Uh, so that speaks volumes about his importance to the club, and no doubt Blake Laurie will be starting at prop if he is fit. Uh, you've also got the two manly signings as far as middle Fords. Alec Tuitavake and Viliami Fafita uh, traded them, or got them in, traded Aaron Woods out. Uh, not a bad, not a bad way to go. Uh, Viliami Fafita and Alec Tuitavake, both promising players. Seagulls had high hopes for them. Dragons managed to entice them over. Uh, I believe they came over either mid-season or at some point in the 2023 season. Tuatavake was injured, so he wasn't going to play during the season. Uh, and I think Filiami Fafita 
may have spent some time at New South Wales Cup level. So they're not exactly names uh, that jump off the page when you read them, but both Fafita and Tuitavake, I think this season, if they are fit, they are going to be pushing hard uh, for a spot in that Ford pack. And healthy competition is exactly what you need. Uh, so for these two manly guys, and I mean manly seagulls, not like manly guys, although I guess they are pretty fucking manly guys, uh, we'll see how they go. But I think it, it's what you want, isn't it, if you're the Dragons? You need some young guys with a lot of potential and a lot of talent pushing these senior players and keeping them accountable. Uh, so those are the middle options. When I look at the second row, uh, Jaden Sewer, I think he'll start on that right edge, would make sense. Uh, rumblings at times that he has been unhappy at the Dragons, and rumblings, like I mentioned earlier, that if there is to be a player swap for Adam Fenua Blake, could be Jaden Sewer uh, going across the ditch, which of course Jaden Sewer has ties to New Zealand. Uh, but for the 2024 season, Jaden Sewer is a dragon, no doubt about that. Uh, and when you look at their forward pack, again, he is one of those guys, I think it's time to go to that next level. And that's just me sitting on my ass. So like, you know, that's coming from a guy that didn't go to the next level himself. And he's already played Origin and he came into the NRL uh, when he was quite young. So still plenty of years ahead for Jaden Sewer. But he shapes very easily as their most important edge back rower. So if you have him on that right side, uh, Ben Hunt, maybe you have Jack Bird, either Jack Bird, Moses Suli, uh, and Michele Ravalawa. These are some guys that have spent time playing footy together. Uh, so I think the right side for the Dragons can be a real focal point in attack. And for Jaden Sewer, uh, the mission for him, I think, is to get himself back in the conversation for origin selection. Doesn't mean, you know, it's a failed season if he doesn't get there over the likes of, you know, David Fafita, Jeremiah Nanai, uh, and guys like that. But I think if Sua can play well enough to get himself in that conversation, that'll take the Dragons a long way uh, to being competitive in all of their games. Other back row options. Interestingly, Billy Burns who finished the season in the back row, he's gone to the Sharks. So pretty crafty pickup there from the Sharkies. Uh, so who are the other back row options? Sewer looks like he'll start. Here are the three guys uh, that should be competing for it. But I've also got, like I said, there are more brothers, and I'm about to get to the brothers who can also play in the second row. Uh, but second row options, Ben Murdoch Masilla, uh, who the club brought over from the Warriors. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Like, if Ben Murdoch Masilla is at his best, wrecking ball. And Shane Flanagan, he does have that knack uh, for really unleashing the beast. Think about Andrew Fafita uh, and how he played under Shane Flanagan. Ben Murdoch Masilla. If he rips in, which I'm pretty sure he is, trust me, I have never been to a Dragons training, but my spidey senses tell me that Ben Murdoch, he's ripping in. 
I said, if you have him at the peak of his powers, like I said, he's a wrecking ball. Uh, and after a lean season last year for the Dragons side, Ben Murdoch, I mean, we're looking at this team and we're saying, okay, for them to go up the ladder, they need to go up in form. Ben Murdoch, watch this space. Very interested to see how he goes. And once a warrior, always a warrior. So, you know, anyone who's put on a Warriors jersey, I always want to see them have success at any club. Dan Russell, Papua New Guinea International. Here is a guy uh, that really had to bide his time to get a start. Uh, I think he was in the Cowboys system at one point, maybe at another club in the past as well. Uh, played center coming through, and now is a back rower. Also, at the end of last season, was starting in the back row. Uh, so Dan Russell, you want to talk about a guy delivering bang for buck? Uh, whose form much higher, I imagine, than his wage? That's Dan Russell. Uh, and here's a guy who's had to work for everything he's got in rugby league. You need these guys in the squad. Because like I said, Jaden Sewer, Ben Murdoch, Masilla, when they are at their best, they can dominate a contest. But, you know, if form's not quite there, you have a guy like Dan Russell, who you just know is going to be nipping at their heels, trying to get another first grade game. And I mean that as respectfully as possible. But this guy, Dan Russell, has had to go the hard way. A lot of Queensland Cup experience, a lot of New South Wales Cup experience as well. And he just knows. I think he has perspective uh, that no NRL game is just given to you. Everything is earned. So Dan Russell... Respect to Dan Russell. I love that. Never gave up on the dream. Now, he's at the Dragons. He's an NRL player. Tom Eisenhuth. Uh, he's the other one as far as edge back rowers. Tom Eisenhuth. Many respected people around the game have nothing but good things to say about this guy. Uh, I listened to a podcast a year or so ago uh, about, oh, it was Phil Gould, Six Tackles with Gus. Shout out to it. Uh, where he talked about Tom Eisenhuth and just said, this guy will never let you down. You know, again, he's not the guy where you're trying to get him into origin calculations or anything, but he will never let you down. So it's an epic signing. I think Panthers may have been interested. I think there was another team looking at Eisenhuth after being released from the Melbourne Storm. And again, you know, Phil Gould, a lot of great things to say about Eisenhuth. Craig Bellamy, I haven't seen him say much publicly about Tom Eisenhuth, but again, you know, Bellamy loves those sort of characters. So I think Tom Eisenhuth, whilst not being a needle-moving signing, he's going to bring a lot, and he'll be right in the mix as well for a round one start. But before I finish the Ford pack, I've got to get to my ones to watch. Uh, now this series, for every other club, it is the one to watch, one young player to keep an eye on from every team. For the Dragons, ones to watch. It'd be hard to watch just one of them because they're twins. It's hard to kind of tell who's who, except for their hair. Uh, but the Couchman twins, Toby Couchman and Ryan Couchman, 
uh, both play in the forwards, capable of playing in the middle, are both very handy on an edge as well. And when it's been tough times for a club like the Dragons, and you look up top, you know, your star player, how much longer he's going to be there for, sometimes it's hard to have a positive outlook. But what I like about the Dragons is they have some young talent, uh, which I think Dragons fans should get really excited about. Catchman Twins are my ones to watch, both of them. Uh, Toby actually got a start off the bench last year, I'm pretty sure in round one. Like we saw a little bit of Toby, uh, Ryan made his debut toward the back end. Uh, but I was keeping a close eye on Ryan Couchman, who was playing reserve grade for the Dragons, and was putting up numbers, running for over 200 meters. Like, I know it's New South Wales Cup level, uh, but for a young kid in a side like the Dragons, uh, New South Wales Cup wise as well, they were not one of the teams uh, that were very strong across the board at cup level. So he was in a side uh, that were up against it week to week and he was still managing to stand out big time. So much so that he got his debut toward the back end of last year. Uh, Now, I don't think the Couchman brothers will start in the 13. I would love to see both of them off the bench because when I talk about this Ford pack, it seems like there's a missing ingredient. I think you should sprinkle some twins in there. Sprinkle a bit of spice on the bench. Uh, I would love to see Toby and Ryan Couchman week in, week out in the Dragons first grade side. I think they're up to it. Uh, They've both now experienced a taste of NRL level. Uh, And I think going into 2024, they are the big ones to watch. Uh, Dragons, they need a bit of something in that pack. I think the Catchman brothers have it. And I've spoken about Ben Hunt, you know, do you get one more year of Ben Hunt? Things like that. Here are some guys, five to ten year prospects. And if the Dragons can start to make the right moves, which under Shane Flanagan, I believe they will, retain the Couchman brothers, you can build a side around these guys. And right now, you don't have to pay them heaps because they're still trying to prove themselves as NRL quality players. But I think without any shadow of a doubt, by the end of the season, both of these boys, if they are fit, are going to be in the best 17. So they are the ones to watch. Ryan and Toby Couchman can play in the middle can play on an edge, and I think they'll be playing, in general, quite a bit at NRL level. So keep your eagle eyes locked. I I think they are both very good prospects and exactly what the Dragons need uh, at this point in their existence. Gains and losses. I love this shit. Gains and losses, except when my team loses stuff, and then I'm like, no. But, yeah, I don't know why. I've always been fascinated with transfers and players going to new teams. And then new teams in general, the Dolphins, that shit 
blows my mind when we get a whole new team with a whole new roster. Um, but just briefly, even as a kid, I remember growing up and I'd been watching footy for a while and there was one season, 2007, 2008 or something, and there were just heaps of fucking transfers. Willie Tonga was on the move. Uh, Brett Kamali, I think he signed to the Bulldogs. Now my memory's hazy, but there were there were transfers going on and I have always been about it, always very fascinated. Um, and in a way where I'm like, yep, I'm on the spectrum. I even froth being like, who are the train and trial players? You know, who, who are the development players? So that's what we're going to go through right now. Pretty quickly, this won't be a long segment, uh, but 2024 gains and losses for the Dragons. And then uh, I'm going to go through the top 30 roster, which isn't going to be a comprehensive breakdown. I'm basically going to say their name. And if they haven't come up yet in the podcast, I might say a little bit uh, about them. I'll go through the development list for the Dragons players who will be in contention from about midway through the season uh, to be selected, and the train and trialists, guys, just looking for that opportunity uh, to get into the Dragons top squad. So, gains and losses. Uh, I'll start with the gains because I've mentioned all these guys already. Tom Eisenhuth comes over from the Melbourne Storm. Like I said, very valuable addition to the squad overall. Uh, Kyle Flanagan, when he first signs, he's thinking, yep, okay, maybe number 14. Uh, try get some minutes in the number 9. Now, Kyle Flanagan has a very important role, being thrust straight into the halves alongside Ben Hunt in a combination uh, which I actually think could work quite well. So best of luck to Kyle Flanagan who moves over from the Bulldogs, and Hame Saleh, who comes over from the Rabbitohs. Uh, I like this signing a lot. I think Hame Saleh has still plenty to offer at NRL level. Uh, let's get on to the losses. Billy Burns, I mentioned that one. He's off to the Sharks. Jaden Hunt, off to the Brisbane Broncos. Uh, spoke recently. He wants to be pushing for that vacant left-back row position. He'll be up against Brendan Piakura, uh, trying to fill the void left by Kirk Capewell. Fuck yeah, by the way, as a Warriors fan, uh, just quietly. But yeah, Jaden Hunt, uh, he's one, you know, it's, I, I tell you what, out of the Hunts that wanted to go, and the one you're forced to keep, like, I think you can settle and say, well, we kept Ben Hunt. And Jaden Hunt, he could be part of the Broncos, he could go on to win a premiership next year, but at the moment, for where the Dragons are at as a club, they do need to shift some pieces around. So Jaden Hunt, uh, I think that move is going to work out well for him. He leaves the Dragons. Josh Kerr. He left midway through the season. Uh, it is a loss, for sure. But he's a Redcliffe boy anyway, from memory. And, I mean, he left midway through the season. So Dragons fans have had a bit of time already. To digest that. Alexander Lobb, young winger, uh, never got a go in first grade from memory. Does have a bit about him though. He is off to the Tigers for an opportunity. A pretty timely point to be a winger at the Tigers. You're vying for a position, David Nofaluma refusing to train. 
Funny as well, I said in the Tigers podcast, which I did before this one, I was like, it's hard to do the Tigers because every single day there's more news breaking. So I got the podcast out, and then straight after that, David Nofaloma refusing to train. A bit going on there. So Alexander Lobb, I mean, there's an opportunity there. He's off to the Tigers. Uh, Moses Embai left midway through last year uh, to the St. Helens Saints. Much like Josh Kerr, Dragons fans have had time to adjust now. Uh, Zane Musgrove, he's off to the Warrington Wolves again. This one I don't think hurts them too much. It'll be a great addition for Sam Burgess's uh, Warrington Wolves in the Super League. But, yeah, I think Musgrove out. Some young fellas like the Catchman Twins in. Uh, Jaden Sullivan off to the Tigers. Plenty of talk around that, especially given what's going on with the halves. And we'll see how things develop. But if the Tigers are to improve at a much more rapid rate than the Dragons, and Jaden Sullivan week in, week out, strutting his stuff, well, I tell you what, the Dragons, uh, they'll look a bit silly, won't they, for letting him go. And Aaron Woods, who left to the Sea Eagles midway through last year, in return, Dragons got two players, and they're young, so pretty good trade. Uh, so those are the gains and losses. Let me just quickly switch over now uh, to the top 30, which just let me have a squiz. Three spots, three spots to fill in the top 30. Although um, Cody Ramsey doesn't look like he'll play and he is in the top 30. I'm thinking it would be fair. He definitely deserves to be paid and just get everything from this. But I think for the Dragons, doing what's right, uh, they should have some kind of, they can bring a development player in or something like that. Uh, because, yeah, very, very admirable thing for the Dragons to keep him on their top 30 list. And Cody Ramsey, because of the situation he's in, absolutely uh, deserves to get paid. I mean, to sweep that rug out from under him right now, it would just be a terrible thing to do. But I think there needs to be some kind of allowance, basically, uh, to use someone from outside the top 30 if they need to straight away, which there already is. So I guess I don't fucking really need to say that. But yeah, best wishes to Cody Ramsey. It looks a bit, uh, it looks kind of unlikely that we may see him ever again at NRL. But right now it's one of those situations where the first and foremost priority is just his health and well-being uh, in general. So for Cody Ramsey, let's not let's not forget about the young kid because yeah, obviously it's easy to remember him when he's on your screens playing NRL. Uh, but one of the things we don't get to see, even just injuries and how players struggle through injuries, uh, but this is something beyond just an injury. It's a very serious illness. So yeah, don't forget about Cody Ramsey, because right now that is a bloke who definitely needs some support. Uh, but let's get to the top 30 list. A few spots left to fill. Cody Ramsey has two stars next to his name, which says contract status still to be confirmed. Uh, and the first guy on the list, Talatawa Moan, has a star next to his name, currently stood down. 
uh, which is obviously a big one. So Talatau Amon stood down, but he's in the top 30. Jack Bird, massive year for Jack Bird. Uh, I think we will see him in the centers. If anyone is going to get the best out of him, Shane Flanagan. My ones to watch, Ryan and Toby Couchman. Uh, we have Jack DeBallon, senior leader at this club. Uh, Couchman's not the only twins at the Dragons. You also have the Fay guys, Matt, uh, who we've seen consistently now at first grade level, and Max, uh, who I was seeing they were shopping him around, telling him he may be free to leave. Interested to see how things go for Max this year. New coach comes in. Uh, and he has the opportunity to prove to Shane Flanagan, you know, I want to stick around at this club. So you've got the Fago brothers, uh, Viliami Fafita, who's come over from the Sea Eagles, Sione Finau, uh, the winger, Melbourne winger, that we saw debut, unfortunately get injured in his debut, Kyle Flanagan, Ben Hunt, there's your halves combination, Blake Laurie, uh, who will be very important for them up front, Jacob Little, my X-Factor player, Zach Lomax, Francis Molo, Michael Molo, a bit of a brother's theme at the Dragons. Ben Murdoch-Masilla, the big bopper, uh, I think he's in for a big season. Cody Ramsey, again, best wishes to him. Michaeli Ravalawa, you would expect uh, he'll be there. Round one on the wing. Dan Russell, Harme Sele, Tyrell Sloan, uh, who let's see. Let's see how the year goes for him. I'm optimistic. I still think he's got plenty of time to turn things around. Jaden Sewer, Moses Suli, Savalio Tamale, young center. Uh, he'll be one who's not a household name, but pushing week in, week out for a spot on the side. Alec Tuitavake. Um, right now, 27 players they have in their full squad. Paul Turner. Number 27, former Warrior. I'm actually a really big fan of his. Uh, I think he played one game for the Dragons last year at fullback. Has spent time at the Titans as well. And yeah, Paul Turner was actually my one to watch for the Titans a couple of years ago. Didn't quite work out. Uh, and remains to be seen whether he'll be in the mix this year, given that Lomax has moved to fullback. Who knows though, he could be an option in the number six. So like I've said before, once you're a warrior, you're always a warrior. So Paul Turner, uh, I hope he has a killer season this year. On to the supplementary list. True, I think they've changed it from development to supplementary. Wow, unbelievable. Uh, but this is their supplementary list. There are a couple of names here uh, that are young promising players and a couple that I'm actually, to be quite honest with you, I don't know who they are, which is fun. Uh, that's a fun one. Uh, Corey Ackers, first I've heard of him, but he's on the supplementary list, so there's something there, and I'm quite excited to see what that something is. Josh Corrick, uh, who's been in their system for a little bit now. Dylan Egan, uh, who was also on their supplementary list last year. Connor Mulheisen, on the supplementary list, on the old sup list, but right in the mix for that number nine jersey. Jackson Sharab, uh, he's another one who they've had in their system for a little bit now. And who knows? Uh, could be the year he gets his debut. Best of luck to him. And Hamish Stewart, uh, he is the other one who 
This is the first I've heard of this particular Hamish Stewart. With all the rugby union stuff going on, uh, there was a moment where I was like, is this former Reds player and Western Force player Hamish Stewart? Uh, But upon a quick research, no. So Hamish Stewart, I'm excited to see. Hamish Stewart, you know it. Uh, Now, train and trial. Woot woot, my fucking, my favorite. These are the guys who have to work the hardest and who are trying to keep a dream alive or are young players who are trying uh, to really kickstart their NRL career. Train and trial players, we have Hayden Buchanan, Finau Latu, Jet Liu. I like Jet Liu, haven't seen uh, much of him, but I like the name. Whoa, <laughs> here's a couple of fucking names. I like these train and trial players already. Uh, let me just zoom in for these names. Lycan King Togia. Apologies if I said that wrong. Epic name. I like these names already. Dragons fans, get pumped. Uh, Loco, this one's a good one. Loco Pacifici Tonga. Fuck, yes. I'm not sure what position these guys are, but my goodness, I'm keen for the Dragons trials now. I want to see these guys. They have the names. They already have rugby league names. They have a train and trial opportunity. Dragons are a team that are just looking for some diamonds in the rough, some players to emerge out of the blue. This is a club lingering down the bottom of the table. These are our hungry train and trial players. They have epic names uh, and it's not done there. We also have Cade Reed. Cade with a K. Uh, that is very rugby league as well. Nick, I'm going to say this wrong for sure. Apologies. Uh, but Nick Sugranis. Uh, that seems to be a Greek name. Apologies if it's not. I read that this kid, supposedly very talented, has long-term prospects. I apologize. Uh, a lot of these are names I'm seeing for the first time. And Jacob Webster. Uh, that name doesn't jump off the page compared to a loco a Pacifici Tonga, or a Lycan King Toya, or a Jet Liu, uh, but Jacob Webster, he's doing something right. So, yeah. A, a lot of the clubs I do know, like, a lot more about the supplementary players and train and trial players. So I guess maybe I just haven't paid very close attention to, like, the Dragons Juniors in the last couple of years. But as far as reading, I love the names. Bring on... The trials. The final assessment. This is where we wrap things up. I will give my ladder prediction uh, for 2024. Uh, final assessment. Let's wrap things up. A point of difference for the club, Shane Flanagan. He knows how to build a premiership roster. Uh, he's not going to be any stranger to the pressure cooker that is the head coaching role. And Dragons have got a good one. Like, there's no doubt about that. Uh, this could be the best coach they've had since Wayne Bennett. So that in itself something to get excited about. Shane Flanagan, if you're looking for a point of difference in this team that badly needs one, the coach. Pretty good place to start. Uh, the key for 2024... I was thinking maybe the Ford pack, but I'm hoping the Couchman twins and some other young players can emerge. 
Uh, so for the key, I've gone with the halves situation. Starting with Kyle Flanagan and Ben Hunt round one, uh, that seems to be the way it's going to go. Ben Hunt, he'll be missing through the origin period. Kyle Flanagan could get injured or suspended. That's definitely not crazy to suggest. Uh, if Teletau Moon continues to be stood down, what's going on there? Uh, and what is going on in the halves? If Ben Hunt and when Ben Hunt is unavailable, who is their halfback? If Kyle Flanagan goes down, who right now, uh, they really can't afford that. He's the guy who's come in uh, to try and hold the fort down. If Flanagan goes down, who's next in the number six? Is it a young junior? Is it Paul Turner? Uh, do you elevate Jack Bird and really give him that crucial role, which he's killed it there before, played there under Shane Flanagan? But the thing that does concern me is that there is no clear answer. Uh, so the key for the Dragons, not just 2024, uh, but for 25 and beyond, their half situation. Teletown Amon, it seems like that is the guy they want for the next 10 years. But there's been a couple of indiscretions. In fact, I think it may have just been the one, uh, but it's been very costly. He's found himself now unavailable for selection. So that's their long, long-term prospect. The other one was Jaden Sullivan, who they've let walk. In this season to come, Ben Hunt, it looks like it's his last. Who's the halfback for the Dragons? They're trying to get a Tom Dearden. What if he says no? What's kind of the way forward if Hunt is to leave? You have Flanagan, you have Teletau Moan, and I'm sure they have some young guys coming through, but they need uh, very clear answers. If Hunt is to go, do you go for the player swap? There is a lot to play out on that front. Uh, when you combine that with the fact that the decision makers at the Dragons just haven't lived up to their end of the bargain, it's been an absolute mess uh, from the administration side. I don't think Dragons make the eight this year, but I do think we are going to see some improvement in them. And this is just the start. This is square one under Shane Flanagan of Dragons Road to Redemption, essentially. Uh, so final thoughts ahead of the season. Best of luck, Dragons fans. Uh, I'm not a hater. I don't wish for any club to struggle. Uh, most of the time, for each club, I have friends who will support the club uh, or I'll have family ties, things like that. Uh, within each team, there are players that I admire and I'm a fan of. Uh, and in, in, in this instance, in, in, in this instance, goodness gracious, wheels are falling off. Uh, in this instance, I also think Shane Flanagan is exactly what they need. So I think Dragons will improve, but yeah, mainly due to the organization. Not as much the players, but the decisions they've been making in the last few years. Uh, the way the club went about the whole Anthony Griffin dismissal last year uh, i just thought it was really poor and that things that have been this messy will take a bit of time to come good so my official prediction i apologize dragons fans uh, like i said in each of the cases when i put a club down toward the bottom of the ladder i say the same thing happy to be proven wrong i'm absolutely happy to be proven wrong if i see the dragons 
finish where I have them. I'm not going to be cheering and going like, yeah, I was right. I'll just be like, damn. 15th. They finished 16th this past season. I have them 15th. I think we will see improvements, uh, but to put a premiership roster together is a puzzle. And right now, there are missing pieces. The most crucial piece to your puzzle uh, looks to be on the way out. Uh, And there are in a couple of spots, and I don't have any players in mind when I say this, but there seems to be a few pieces of this puzzle uh, that just aren't the right fit and would be better off somewhere else. So there is a process that needs to be undertaken when a new coach enters a club uh, most of the time when it's a new coach, uh, except Des Hasler, I think, coming into the Titans. I think that uh, he comes into a pretty good roster there. But in most cases, when you're a new coach at a club, it is because they are a struggling club. Uh, and more often than not, they're a club that have been burning through uh, a number of coaches. So that is where Shane Flanagan finds himself. The roster he has inherited uh, is not the one that he built. He spent time there in the past, so he has that familiarity aspect. And I do see improvement, uh, but my 15th position prediction really does come down uh, to the higher ups. I just, when I was thinking like, okay, I'm going to put together this predicted ladder. Uh, I was looking at halfbacks. Okay, who has a very quality halfback? Dragons do. But when I was thinking, okay, who do I have outside of my eight? I started to think of teams where the issues start from the top. Uh, And a lot of the times it's not really the players wrongdoing or the coaches who keep getting sacked. Uh, There are clubs that seem to consistently uh, be failing from the top. And Dragons are one of those, in my opinion. Uh, So I have them 15th. I think they'll move one spot up the ladder. I would love them to move uh, a few spots more up the ladder. But that's where I have them. So yeah, if you're a Dragons fan, I apologize. Hopefully you get an epic season. And the beauty of preseason is that everyone starts on zero competition points. And there is no reason to not get excited. I mean, that's the beauty of footy. You go into the preseason, there's the trials. Then all of a sudden, round one's coming up. 2024, round one begins in Las Vegas. Like, what a way to kick things off. Dragons, this most recent season, round one, they had the bye. This time round, they are there from the get-go. They have a very passionate supporter base, a very very successful and rich history, which also plays a part into why the fans are so disgruntled with this modern day Dragons outfit. Uh, But essentially, I just think, I think there are better teams. So best of luck Dragons fans. Uh, Hopefully the team can give you an amazing season. And yeah, final series is the goal. I think if the Dragons make the finals this year, or at least show that they are on that trajectory, uh, then that's a successful season. But 15th, sorry about it. Uh, So that has two spots now on my predicted ladder. 17th, the Tigers. Uh, I'm going for the Tigers triple spoons. Unfortunately, 
Uh, to be trusted with a lot, you must first be trusted with a little. So Dragon 17th, uh, haven't established a 16th spot yet. Dragons 15th, I see improvement, uh, but I do not see a premiership contender, respectfully. So there it is. Thank you for listening. Uh, another one done. Well, actually, only now two done. Another 15 to go. So I should get to it. I got a few more season previews to record. Uh, and what's next? Well, as we move up the ladder, I believe the Bulldogs are next. It's been tough to start the series because the clubs with the most going on, with like talking points and being in the media and shit, uh, seem to be the bottom three clubs. So we're going to get into all things Bulldogs, from fine dining with Gus Gould himself uh, to Cameron Seraldo, the challenges he faces, Stephen Crichton to the Bulldogs. We're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about plenty. Dogs I've had my eye on as well, uh, much more so than Tigers and Dragons in recent years uh, as a side that they're not too far off are actually shooting up the ladder. Now, this past season that's just gone for them, disastrous. I know they finished above the Dragons, but I actually think they were poorer. They were so poor, just the way they were losing, kind of attitude, effort from the Bulldogs. There were a lot of red flags, uh, but there's plenty of change as well. Bronson Zeri uh, coming in, obviously Stephen Crichton, uh, you've got young guys like Jacob Preston. In fact, you want to talk about young guys? Bulldogs. Well, they have quite the crop coming through. So Dragons, I have them finishing 15th. We now turn our focus to the Bulldogs. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, today is Monday. I know you're probably aware of that if you're listening tonight. Uh, but I'm looking at Wednesday for the Bulldogs. I'm looking, in fact... Uh, to get the Bulldogs one out there, and then the one after that within this week. By the end of this year, uh, I want to have done the bottom nine from this past season. Uh, and then to start the year, January, going full steam toward the NRL season starting, uh, we'll be doing the top eight sides. So plenty to get amongst. It is now time for me to get amongst my Bulldogs podcast. Thank you very much for listening. And until the next one, take care of yourselves and enjoy your bloody week.